now. Amen. Please be seated. The scripture lesson today is from Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also con- conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Before Pastor DJ expands on that scripture that we just... Can you imagine? Can you believe this? We had a chance to win $1.9 billion last week. Always I wonder what would be like if you have, if I have $1.9 billion. Not even that, maybe $1 million. What, what would it be like? Let's just enjoy in our dream. Having $1.9 billion. What would it be like? Would it be a blessing for you? Or not? Many years ago, my family was struggling financially. One day, we're driving by a billboard sign that says, $260 million for winning lottery. I was desperate those days, and I asked my wife, what would it be like if, if we win the lottery? Just think about it. What if we win? Should I buy a lottery? And my wife, EJ, said, I'm sure we will not, we will not worry about money anymore. But you will not serve the Lord as a youth pastor anymore. Neither. She was right. I, would not. I thought about it. I would not. So I'm here. And I am blessed. I believe I am blessed. 
We just sang this beautiful song. I thought it is like American hymn, but it is not. It's such a beautiful song, such a beautiful song. Such an appreciative, such a grateful heart song. But did God really bless America today? I don't know what is the definition of blessing, but people want money, and we have money. America has dollars. We even produce dollars as much as we want. And we are richest and powerful country in the world. But let's think about it. Is dollar God's blessing for America? If we are blessed, we're supposed to worship God more and give thanks to God more. But we know many Americans no longer worship God, no longer give thanks to God, even on Lord's Day. But they worship dollars. But Puritans, our fathers, as actually your fathers, Puritans worshiped God in the 1600s. We know their story, like those Thanksgiving Day story. It was not good. It was not good America. They had nothing, they had nothing, even nothing to eat. But they had a faith. What about those pioneers in the frontier in 1800? They built the churches wherever they go. They live such a harsh condition. And what about those factory workers, farmers, and miners in 1900s? They were helplessly poor and despairingly struggled in America, but they loved the Lord. You know your parents. You know your grandparents, how they worship God. They loved the Lord. They shared the gospel. They wanted to share the gospel. And they sent all the missionaries all over the world. Even over 4,000 American missionaries came to, came to my home country, Korea. The quarter of the population there, 25 million people became Christians. That's how we Americans worshipped. Is American prosperity blessing or not? 
Today we will visit the church in Laodicea, the richest church, richest city in the Roman Empire at that time. They were so rich, so rich, because first, they were developed in wool industry, the textile business. So lots of money flowed into Laodicea. So it became the center of banking business as well. They mint coins and all that. And they were also known for good hospitals in ancient time. Everybody went to Laodicea to be cured, especially for their eye disease. So they have a special anoint um, the uh, salve for their eyes. So they made a lot of money. So today's Laodicea will be the combination of New York's Fifth Avenue They are depraved. Where we should be. I'm not just talking about sitting in the pew and worship every Sunday. I'm not talking about going to city gate and then feeding hungry people. I'm not talking about going to mission trip, Africa or wherever. I'm talking about our reality. Your reality. Sometimes God wants us to be struggling with the finance, devastating, despair financially. God wants us to be there, but we don't want to be there. And God sent us to be in the hospital sick bed. Like me, yes, last week. I never planned. I never want to go back. And some people, God wants them to go to chemotherapy, broken relationship, car accident. Jesus wants us to be those places, but we don't want to be. Be real with our faith. Let's be real with our faith. We are there. We are there with the problem. We are there with the challenges. Those nasty co-workers, classmates, neighbors. But we don't want to be there. We don't want to be poor. We don't want to get sick. We don't want to be uncertain, being rejected, sorrowful, or lonely, not so ever. We don't want to be, but we have to be there, and we have to be there. If we don't, be, we, we don't go there, then we don't meet God. We don't encounter God. Then we don't worship God. We don't appreciate God. Where does God want you to be nowadays? 
So Jesus said to Laodicean, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I need God. I need God to preach it today, actually. I am American. I became American three, three, four years ago. But still, it's very hard saying. Outwardly, our Americans, we are rich and powerful, but inwardly, we are poor and weak. We know what our country is doing. We know what American people are doing today. God wants Americans be there, but no Americans wants to be there. But we just keep running after satisfaction. We're spending money, time, energy, everything to fulfill the eternal deficiency caused by the original sin. We all have that. And people try to fulfill their eternal deficiency with other stuff. We will never. Eugene Peterson said, The plain fact is that a person cannot live without God. But to live with God means to be God-dominated. Are we dominated by God? Or are we dominated by ourselves? We have to measure where we spend our money, where we spend our time. 24 hours, seven days a week, how much you spend your time for your God. In your income, how much you spend your money for God. Like Jesus said, where your money is, there's your heart there. It's obvious. I mean, America has a really weird culture that I really still don't like. The tip. My home country, there's no tip. After you eat something in a restaurant, you don't give a tip. But here, the people give a tip. But Americans do not... I'm not asking for money for our church. It is a matter of your spiritual... Spiritual discipline. It is for you, matter of your spirit. I'm sure many Christians in America are not dominated by God anymore. So Jesus stripped from Laodicean Christian the illusion of a prosperity, and he counseled them to acquire three things. First, refined gold. And buy from Jesus. Jesus said, buy these things from Jesus. 
Refine gold. How we refine gold with the heat, fire. What is the fire? Our struggles, our challenges. We're living in the overwhelming, these challenges today. Especially for church in America. We have to recognize it. We have to take the heat and refine us. Be pure gold. We have to burn all the unnecessary, unnecessary things in our lives. Whatever the left we keep, that is the pure gold. That is the class of Christ. We need to have this class of Christ. Even after we lose our, all our money, all our health, loved ones, our position, all achievement, everything we lose, what do we have? But we know before we lose all these things, we desert Christ first, aren't we? Turn to more safety, more reliable things. Please, sorry, let's go back to the slide. Second, we must buy white clothes. Sarah, can I have the slide before? We must buy white clothes from Jesus. This is a New York's Fifth Avenue. It's the center of a fashion. Probably the Laodicean Christians wearing a beautiful dress all the time, but Jesus sees them as a naked. Their clothing is dirty. So Jesus wants them to wear white garments. It means being pure, the purity of their faith by forgiveness of Jesus Christ, by repentance of their sin. They have to be forgiven. They wear white garments. It is... So we must have a good eye. So our eye is not good, then we need a good self. Good medicine for our eyes. And what is the self? It's a humbleness. Always the attitude of a self-examine. Instead of pointing our finger at other people, blaming other people, we have to look ourselves. That's a good eye. Then we have to see other people's pain, other people's sin. And we have to mourn for their pain, their sin, as we mourn the sin of ours. And we help them, feed them, help them to transcend themselves from their sin. That is empathy. Empathy. Suffering in them. Walk with them. Empathy. We need empathy. So let's ask ourselves, do we mourn for our sin? It's not only what we did wrong, 
But what we are facing, our infirmities, our sickness, our financial struggle, whatever, broken relationship, whatever, we have to mourn for it. And do we mourn for the people of Ephrathah? Mourn for your families. Mourn for your children. Mourn for your neighbors, your co-workers, our country. Do we mourn for our country? If not, Jesus will come and knock on the door of ours. Jesus said, listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus already came into our life to test us, to forgive us, to open our eyes to see ourselves. So we respond to God. We repented and we respond to God. Save me, Lord. That's why we're here. But this is not a one-time deal. We have to keep doing it. Because we are in the brokenness, in this world, until we finally depart from this sinful nature, we have to keep doing it. Not for eternal salvation, for the intimacy with God. But we have to open the door. This painting shows there's no door knob from outside. God is God leave us alone. Problem free. No problem. Apostle Paul said in Romans, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. There literally God desert them. That is a true punishment of God. But God doesn't do that. So God called us, called you and me, for that particular people you will encounter, you have a chance, you're the best one to reach out, to save. God never give up. So God called you and me for the person, even for yourself. Why did the Puritans passionately worship God? How could those pioneers in the frontier kept their faith in, in the harsh condition? Because they could not settle. They could not settle for their status quo. Don't settle with the status quo. We have to face challenges all the time. I don't know if you have ever tried to, like a, a rowing, like a kayaking upstream. Maybe, maybe Anne try. If you're not rowing hard enough, you're not going upstream. We are Christians going upstream. 
you just, what, you just stay where you are, that's not good. That's depravity. We have to hard, work hard until we get to the finish line. We have to work hard. I don't think there's a gold medal or silver medal or bronze medal in, you know, in heaven. But we have to be in that direction and making progress, going to that direction. That is what God says, perfect. That is perfect. Facing God, that's perfection in Old Testament. We are not Dodgers, friends. I'm not talking about L.A. Dodgers. Like, we are not dodging, you know, problems. People do that. We want certainty all the time. So people dodging. No, we are called to facing, seeking trouble, troubled people, problem people, because Jesus is there with the troubled people and challenged people, margined people, outcast people. Jesus is there, and we must be there. 